That's my fault. There we go. Amen. You can turn me down a little bit. Good. So good to see you this morning. Uh, why don't you just say good morning if you don't mind. Can you say it morning? Amen. Amen. So glad to have you with us today. Once again, thank you to the worship team from Winners Church for leading us into God's presence. Amen. Powerful time. Thank you guys. Couple things before I speak this morning, I want to say to you, it was good to have the Hope Center in the service with us this morning. They're usually in our second service. I gave them today special permission to go to First Baptist. They're going to, they're up there today uh, giving their testimony. And so we gave them uh, permission to do that today. They're usually here with us and they'll be with us uh, from now on, but we just let them go up there. And so Monica give her testimony. But this last week, I want to say thank you to everybody who stepped up to the plate. And we had uh, asked for three things at the Hope Center that they were in need of an ice maker, a coffee pot, and then a, a a new stove they had a, a bigger stove and you stepped up and we had the coffee pot or the ice maker paid for before church was over we had the the coffee pot paid for and a lot of funds have already come in for the the stove we're still trying to raise a little bit of money on the stove so if you'd like to give toward that you're more than welcome just put your hands together I want to say thank you for your generosity your generosity is making the difference um, just to let you know where your money goes a lot of times. We have been able in the last few months to be able to provide meals for the Purcell School and all of the, the teachers that were there before. Uh, we were able to provide meals yesterday for Rob's Ranch at their family day. Um, everybody got a meal. We, we took it out there and delivered it. And so there's so many things that we're able to do. So thank you for your generosity. It is making a huge difference in our community. And thank you for continuing to give to uh, the Hope Center. And just to let you know, we are having the, the All Church Connect group on September 13th, and we're excited about that. Amen. Would you stand up this morning? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5. And I want to preach to you. We're starting a series today called Breakout. And I want to preach to you from this topic this morning, the tale of three restorations. The tale of three restorations, Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read several verses of Scripture. Stay, stay with me on this. And I want to talk to you this morning. I believe when you leave here, you're going to understand that there's many areas of your life and other things that God is wanting to restore today. How many believe in restoration? Can you say amen? Amen. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could any tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that happened. 
And when they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all the things that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that your word challenges us and changes us. And Father, right now in these few moments together, may the word of God dwell in our hearts by faith. May we understand what it is you have called us to do. May we understand who we are called to be. And we just pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you give us ears to hear everything that is said and done today. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people together said, Amen. Turn around look at somebody and say, Jesus loves you and I'm trying and you may be seated. Some of you saw this on Facebook this last couple days, but we installed some cameras at the house, and they catch motion. And um, if you know my wife, those of you know my wife, she is an animal lover, and we balance each other out. I hate them, she loves them. Just kidding, I don't hate them, but anyway. But she loves animals extremely, and we've, we had a cat that showed up, and at first I'm like, don't feed it, because you know what happens if you feed a stray cat? It's your cat, right? Like, it's not stray anymore, it's yours. And so here is a stray cat that came up, and finally, my wife said, I, I noticed when I was mowing one day, there was this plastic container out in the lot beside us. And she said, yeah, I fed the cat, but I tried to feed it by the neighbor's house so it would stay over there. I'm like, well, thank you. And then, but then another cat showed up. So this cat's been staying in our backyard, very friendly, probably somebody's pet. We don't know how to get rid of it now. And so, um, but this other cat showed up, and they, they fight. And so the other night, I heard it myself a couple, like probably a week ago, heard them fighting. And I went out there, and the other cat ran off. So the other night, it's like 1030 at night, and our cameras were on, you know, catching motion. And we hear it. Sarah grabs a broom. She runs out and starts beating the ground. And my phone goes off, and it says, motion detected. And I got this grin on my face. And I realized, this is on camera. <laughs> like, this is precious. So anyway, I just shared it. My, my wife has a heart for animals. She has a heart for people, too. The reason I tell you that story is because Jesus had that kind of heart for individuals. And he, he's on a boat, he's on a cruise ship, basically, across the Sea of Galilee. He's in the bottom, and it's the greatest waterbed ever invented. And he's sleeping in the bottom of the boat, rocking back and forth, sleeping good. And the disciples, this is Mark chapter 4, the disciples began to scream and say, don't you even care, we're about to die. And Jesus gets up, rebukes the winds and the waves and tells them, won't you have a little greater faith, that kind of stuff. And and then they land on a shore. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus always had a purpose. He always had a reason where he was headed. Matter of fact, the reason he kind of got mad at the disciples in Mark 4, he told them before they got in the boat, we are going to the other side. So even when the storm came up, they should have realized Jesus has already told us we're going to make it to the other side. How many of you know today, no matter what storms are in your life, he's already promised us we're going to make it to the other side so we can trust in that today. We're going to make it through. Amen? And so here's Jesus 
And he gets to this place, and it's called the Gadarenes. And that name is important because the Gadarenes literally means coming from a pilgrimage or a fight. Coming from a pilgrimage or a fight. And he's about to meet a man who is in a fight for his life, literally. And when Jesus steps onto the shore, all of a sudden this man comes running up to him. And they notice some things about this man. This man is different. He's got some different things going on about his life. He probably had scrapes all over him because the Bible says he would scream at night and he would cut himself with stones. He possibly was naked because we know at least partially naked, but more than likely totally naked here's a man shows up scratches on his body totally naked begins to scream to Jesus but Jesus looks at this man and he sees something different than everybody else sees society had ostracized him society had said you're crazy there's something wrong with you we don't know what to do with you we've tried to help you we've tried to literally shackle you up we've tried to put chains on you you break those things we don't know what to do but listen to me I love the fact that Jesus still comes to the disenfranchised to those that are ostracized and put out by society and Jesus cares about them and he loves them and that is what the church is called to do we're not called to push people out because they're different than us we're not called to get rid of people because they have problems we're here to realize the only answer is one man by the name of Jesus and Jesus is still the hope for the world and we as the church are called to reach out and to make a difference to the least of these amen we begin to pray many years ago God give us the people nobody else wants the ones that every other church has gotten rid of. The one that every other church says, you're a problem. We don't want you. God, give us the people that nobody else wants. And what I love about Scripture, David took all the ones that society had kicked out. They were considered outlaws. They were considered good for nothing. And David said, just give them to me, and I'll make an army out of them. And all of a sudden, David's mighty men were created out of people that society doesn't want. Let me tell you something. Don't Listen, I love everybody, but you give me those that will get down in the ditch and will fight for you and will get down in the muck and mire of life and we can change a world we can change a city we can see people's lives changed amen and so here's Jesus and all of a sudden he meets this man and I'm so thankful when everybody else saw a problem Jesus saw a person when everybody else saw a problem Jesus looked and he saw a person and he saw something he could do something with this is a life I can change and all of a sudden, we'll get into the story later on, but Jesus, they, they, they asked the demons their name, and they say legion, and I'll explain why that's important in a few moments. And Jesus cast the demons out, and we'll get to where they go and all that later on. But here's the thing, I want to skip ahead in this part to the, to the end of the message, to the end of the story. At the end of the story, the Bible says that the people come back, and they find the demon-possessed man sitting there clothed and in his right mind. Here's a man for, we don't know how long, we don't know how old he was, we don't know for how long he's been running around crazy and naked. But when Jesus gets a hold of his life, when they come back, he's clothed and in his right mind. He's sitting there. Before, all he did was run around from place to place. He couldn't be still, he couldn't calm down, he couldn't stop. But when Jesus gets a hold of him and Jesus changes his life, all of a sudden he's sitting there, he's calm, he's clothed, he's in his right mind, and everything about his life has changed. So the first restoration I want to tell you about this morning is the restoration of a life. That God comes to restore lives. He comes to restore individuals. He comes to take people that life has been hard on them and difficult on them and life 
life has thrown them out and addictions have caused them issues and he says I want to set you free because I love your life I died for your life I made a difference so that your life I shed my blood so that your life could be set free so the rest rest first restoration is the restoration of a life everybody say life and then secondly we see, let me excuse me baby back up and tell you a story I'm getting ahead of myself born in 1870 there was a man by the name of Mel Trotter. Mel Trotter was born to an alcoholic father and a Christian mother. And unfortunately, he went the way of his dad. He began to drink at a young age and got, got married, had a kid. And he drank so much, they took the family's money for uh, his alcohol addiction to the point they had no necessities. His son was two years old and he died. And he probably could have been saved if they had had the money to go to the doctor in the hospital but because of his alcoholism he had taken that money that his wife had put back and the son dies at two years old he goes to his son's funeral and he says I'm clean and sober I'm gonna be good now and two hours later he's drunk stumbling around right after that he, he, he him and his wife separated and he decided my life is over I'm tired of living I've caused harm I've caused pain so Mel Trotter was literally in Chicago walking toward the river to drown himself, to jump in and drown and die. And while he's walking, he comes past a mission called the Garden Mission. And he walks by the Garden Mission and they literally pull him inside. They literally say, hey brother, we're having church, come on in. And he goes in and he sits down. Might as well, I mean, he literally is going to his life to be over. I might as well go do this. And he sits down and he begins to hear them sing about the love of Jesus. He begins to hear them talk about how much Jesus loves him and cares for him. He never experienced anything like that. But that night, Mel Trotter gave his life to Jesus. He said, I will follow you. He was reunited with his wife. He got a job, began to take care of his family. And then all of a sudden, the mission said, hey, won't you help out around here? And he began to serve the mission. So much, he began to preach the mission. Before too long, he took over the mission. And when Mel Trotter died, him and his two brothers had opened up six. 67 missions across the United States helping people homeless and addicted find life in Jesus Christ because one man his life was changed and his life was restored and he went on to change many many lives I want you to know today your life matters your life matters to God and when God transforms you all of a sudden your life can make a difference in many people's lives can you say amen this morning and then all of a sudden, something happens. Jesus is sitting there, and I've always wondered why this happened. To be honest, I've been serving God almost 39, well, yeah, almost probably 32 years. And, and throughout reading the Bible, I've wondered, why in the world did this happen? I've had people ask me, Pastor, why did this happen? Jesus talks to the demons, and the demon says, can we go into the swine? Now, I'm not going to get into demonology today and, and all of this stuff and where they went and why they went and all these things. But they, he said yes, and they go into the pigs. And one of the saddest verses in the scripture, because I love bacon so much, was a herd of pigs drowning in a lake. I mean, I just weep when I read that. All the wasted pork chops. It's awesome. But here's the thing. Why in the world did that matter? Why the pigs? But the question really is this. Why did they even have pigs there? Because the Jewish people didn't eat pigs. I went to Israel when I was 18 years old. Most of you heard me tell that before. And when I went there, we went to eat at a pizza hut in downtown Jerusalem. 
I say the new Jerusalem, people get confused like with the end times new Jerusalem, but the new part of Jerusalem had a pizza hut. We go in there to eat, and it dawned on me, every topping I get, pepperoni, sausage, Canadian bacon, I'm like, what do you Jewish people eat with pineapple on your pizza if you can't have Canadian bacon? I'm just kidding. But all, the, all these toppings, we could not eat. And we're sitting there, I'm like, what do you order on a pizza? They literally, I don't, I, I mean, I'm not, I'll eat it like in stuff, but just tomatoes by itself isn't always my favorite thing. I'll eat it some. But they just slapped a tomato on a pizza and said, here you go. And I looked at it and said, thank you. I have cheese pizza now. That's what I had. They didn't have all this, no, there was no pork. So why in the world would there be pigs in a Jewish area being herded, so there's so many of them, and here's the answer. The answer lies also in the fact of what Jesus asked the demons, your name. They said their name was Legion, for we are many. And legion is important because legion was a Roman term, and they would have understood that as a Roman term. It meant a legion of people with so many soldiers. It was a lot of soldiers. And so they understood the Roman terminology. And when the Roman soldiers marched into a community, they wanted food. They wanted meat. They didn't have the same dietary restrictions that the Jewish people had. And so when they got there, they wanted the pigs to eat. And if you did not have the pigs to eat, they were going to torment you, and they were going to say things about you and possibly persecute you because you did not have what they wanted and Jesus in one moment takes the very thing that is oppressing him here's a man who's possessed and here's a people who are oppressed they're oppressed by an outside society they are oppressed by things around them and Jesus says go ahead and let the pigs die what he was telling those people were this not only am I restoring that life but I am restoring your community you don't have to let these people dominate your life from now on, but I want to restore the freedom that has been given to you in Jesus Christ. And he said, the pigs represent the oppression that you have had as a people, but I am showing you that I'm a God that doesn't oppress you, but I'm a God who sets you free. And so I am proving to you this community can be liberated. And I want you to know this morning, not only does God restore lives, but God restores communities. God restores an area. God comes into an area. And whenever we, as people of the kingdom of God, live the kingdom, all of a sudden the community should be changed. The community should be lifted because we exist as a church. And we believe not only does God restore a life, but God restores communities. Amen? In Ghana, there was these two villages that hated each other. Something happened at one time. And they literally went to different sides of the mountain and lived. And their ancestors didn't know why. It's one of those things, kind of the Hatfield and the McCoys. We're just supposed to hate them. I don't have any idea why. We don't remember what happened. But I was taught growing up, I don't like them. They don't like me. We don't talk to each other. And so these two villages hated each other, did not speak, went out of their way to go around even talking. And then all of a sudden, these men came in, men and women, of the Wycliffe Bible Foundation, and they came in to translate the Bible. These villages had different dialects, but they were close enough to where when they translated the Bible, they could figure out how to make it where they would understand what the Bible was. And so they did something. These Wycliffe translators went over to one village and said, hey, we need a couple people that can help us translate the Bible. And the other village, they went to the same thing, did the same thing, and they brought them together. And sitting around the Word of God, these people began to talk 
how to translate the Bible. And then one day, the Bible was translated in their language to the place, that, that, to, the, to the point to where they began to celebrate it. They had Bibles on both sides. And when people began to read the Word of God in their language, all of a sudden, God began to build the divide, and he began to, to, to close the gap that was dividing them. And all of a sudden, two villages that hated each other, two villages that had nothing to do with each other, it was around the Word of God. They sat at a table, and it was around the Word of God that brought them together until they began to fellowship. They began to realize, we don't know what our ancestors were mad about. We have no idea. I love you. You love me. Let's get along. And all of those things that were, the walls that were built began to be destroyed. All the walls that were there began to be broken down until the community came together and I want you to know every wall the enemy puts up in our community every principality and power that tries to destroy our community God wants us to begin by the power of the Holy Spirit to break down those walls to break down those dividing lines till we realize there is neither male nor female Jew nor Greek bond nor free but we are all one in Jesus Christ because of the blood of Jesus we are one and God wants wants to restore our community he wants to bring us together until we realize not only does God restore lives but God restores communities amen and I'm almost done Eric would you play I don't have a very long message today but I want you to see number three something happens the last verse I read to you the last couple verses here is a former demonized man who says to Jesus I want to follow you I want to follow you. I love that. I mean, he's like, man, you set me free. I want to follow you anywhere. Let me just say to you, that should be our response. Our response to a God who loves you so much that even you say, well, my life wasn't even as crazy as that man's, but whatever state you were in, God loved you so much in the midst of your problems and your pain, in the midst of oppression and the midst of possession, whatever it was in your life, God comes to you and he loves you and he cares about you. And this, remains, this man's response is, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going after you. And Jesus says, no, you're not. No, you're not. That's interesting to me. In a world where sometimes even pastors can have this celebrity mentality, let me see how many followers I could get. Jesus said, I don't want you to follow me. I want you to stay here. And I want you to tell, and one translation says, those around you, those closest to you. The New King James, and the King James says friends, but another translation goes even further and says your people. It wasn't just his friends, it was his family. And God says, I want you to tell those closest to you what I've done for you. You could follow me, but guess what? If you follow me, all you're doing is following and, and going after one person. Or you can stay here and you can give your testimony about what God has done for your life and you can see other lives restored. And you know what he was doing? Not only was his life restored, not only was the community restored, but then thirdly, families were restored. In that moment, God said, I want a family restored. The reason the Hope Center matters to me, and, and, and once again, uh, they're always in our service excited about it, and I love it. The reason the Hope Center, because their motto is restoring lives, restoring families, and restoring communities. And the reason that matters is because I believe this, that we are called to individually see people's lives restored, where addiction and, and, and different things in their life have ravaged them, where things have happened. Because listen to me, it doesn't just happen to the person, but it also happens to the, the family as well. 
And all of a sudden, whenever we begin to say we want to see lives restored, the reason this matters is because not only is a life being restored, but a family's being restored. And when families are restored, communities are restored. And we serve a God that, that is in the restoration business. We serve a God who is in the business of putting things back together. The enemy likes to destroy. The enemy likes to pull apart. But God says, no, no, no. Give me a chance. And I've wanted to preach this for a couple weeks now. It's been on my heart for several weeks because I'm telling you right now we at Landmark Church believe God has called us in this community to make a difference God has called us in this place to make a difference in the lives around us and we believe every person is worth it every life there is nothing you can do that takes you too far out of the grace and the goodness of God this is a man nobody thought could make it and all of a sudden God says no I believe in in you Jesus says there is still something for your life and all of a sudden restoration breaks out we at Landmark Church we believe that every life is worth it that God is not done that God wants to restore that God wants to heal that God wants to set free and that whenever lives are restored then the community is restored and as the community is restored also we believe families are being restored listen you may think somebody's too far gone. That's us in our human thinking, and I get it. But I'm so glad God doesn't think like me. I'm so glad that God doesn't think like me. I'm so glad, as the sister said earlier, that he's the God of the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the hundredth chance and all of those things, that God is the God of the next chance. God's the God of chance after chance after chance because his faithfulness, his mercy is new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. And I just want to tell you this morning, don't stop believing that God can restore what the enemy has destroyed. Maybe you're the one that needs restoration this morning, but maybe you've got family members that need restoration. Maybe you know the community needs restoration. Don't, don't give up. Don't quit. Because the moment we, we quit and give up may be the moment of your breakout happening. You may be right on the verge of a breakout but you gave up just a little too early. But if you'll keep pushing, I imagine this, this young man, I'm almost done. I don't know what his life was like. I don't know what his family life was like. But I can imagine his parents saying, you know what, we don't know what to do with you. His grandparents saying, we're done. Aunts and uncles saying, man, that guy's out there. Let's lock him up. We don't know what to do. And can you imagine him showing back up at the next family gathering, clothed and in his right mind? And can you imagine the tears streaming down that family's face, knowing he once was lost, but now he's found. He once was blind, but now he can see. He once was gone, but now he's been restored. And I just came by to tell you this morning, God is not through. He's not done. And this morning, if you're far from God, He loves you, and He wants to restore your life. And if you need restoration in other areas, He wants to do it today. He doesn't want you to carry this alone. He wants you to keep following after Him, going after Him, because He has so much in store for you. And in this story, three restorations, the restoration of a life, the restoration of a community, and the restoration of a family. And if you'll keep pushing, if you'll keep going the way God has for you, I promise you, there is something on the other side, but you've got to keep pushing for your breakout. You've got to keep believing for it. You're going to break through and that restoration is going to break out in your life and you're going to see God do some amazing things. Amen. Would you stand here?